This is the Marketing Hero Podcast by ClearPivot, turning marketers into heroes. Welcome to the Marketing Hero Podcast. Did you know that we also have a newsletter? That's right, you can join today at clearpivot.com slash newsletter to get monthly emails with our best tips on topics like effective lead generation, creating content that attracts and connects with your prospects, and how to get started with inbound marketing. Sign up for the Marketing Hero newsletter at clearpivot.com slash newsletter for SaaS marketing insights that will move your metrics. Welcome back. I'm your host, Maya Morgan-Wells. On today's episode of the Marketing Hero podcast, we welcome Nick Topping, Head of Marketing and Business Development in the Americas for Safety Culture. It's a SaaS company that makes the most used checklist and inspection app, iAuditor. This lively conversation gets into product-led growth and the freemium model, so let's just jump on in and learn together. Nick Topping, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I want to start with a question that we like to ask all of our guests. What's your favorite part of your career and how did you figure that out? Yeah, for sure. I think my favorite part is definitely working very closely with our sales and GTM teams. Uh, I actually started my career in sales. So I did sales both inside and outside sales for about 10 to 12 years before I moved into the marketing realm. And I think that just really helped me, um, you know, kind of learn what salespeople were looking for, how they operated, what kind of problems we were looking to solve for them and uh, go from there. So that is uh, definitely my favorite as well as the individual growth of, of members on the team. It's just awesome to see people that you can help get where they want to go in their career. Uh, it's so fun to, to be a, a part of that. Absolutely. And that's part of what we try to offer here with this podcast is ways that, you know, young marketers or marketers who are earlier in their career can get inspired and learn about things. Um, so definitely love that part of your mission. One of the things that you said is interesting, Nick, because it's kind of a unique career path, right? We don't often see a veteran sales guy going into marketing. Can you tell me more about that? How did that happen? Why did you leave sales go into marketing? Yeah, for sure. So I graduated with a marketing and management degree um, and a minor in econ just because I was, I was so close. So when I came out of college, I was looking to get you know into a marketing role, but there was uh, a limited amount at the time. And it seemed like um, you know there was a lot of sales roles open. I knew I eventually wanted to get into marketing, but decided to jump into sales and see how it went. And you know it, it went pretty well. I, I did well at it. Um, I enjoyed it. I'm very competitive. So I think that that aspect really helped. Um, but yeah, I started selling enterprise healthcare systems and doing inside and outside sales. And um, always knew that marketing was kind of where I wanted to get to. Um, and when I had the chance to do that, I jumped at it. So do you think most marketing people understand what salespeople need and what they're looking for? I think they, I think they want to, um, and I think, I think some of them definitely do. There's lots of, lots of great people out there that are working very closely with their sales teams and, and things like that. So um, I think being in sales and actually going through the grind of uh, starting over every quarter and you know cold calling leads and doing all that stuff, I think it just helps in a way when I'm talking with some of the the sales leaders or sales folks and AEs that that I work with, it just helps them verify that you know I've been in their shoes before. I, I know how they feel. I know kind of what they're looking for. Um, you know they don't want to hear about MQLs all the time and, and things like that. So it just helps me chat with them a little bit further and, and go a little bit deeper on how we can help. 
Makes a lot of sense. I think oftentimes marketing people forget that, you know, we're really in like a service role. We're, we're serving the sales department, really. I mean, if you think about it that way. So I think that's an interesting way to look at that. Have you ever had an example yeah. in your sales life where marketing just didn't get it? They just didn't get what you wanted. Can you give us any example of that where you just feel like the marketing team fell short? Yeah, for sure. I think when I was, um, I was at a company called Perceptive Software and we were selling large enterprise um, healthcare, enterprise content management systems. And a lot of, uh, a lot of what we were doing was, was done really well. Um, but, you know, there's a lot that goes into taking a lead and, and warming it up before a, a salesperson would get it. Um, and, you know, as we were ironing our processes out and growing, we got a lot of leads that just weren't very good, right? They had downloaded an ebook, they had downloaded some sort of content, a white paper, and in marketing's eyes, sometimes, depending on what company you're at, those are qualified leads or somebody that's interested. But um, as many of us know, they, they need nurtured a little bit more than that, right? It takes it takes a little bit more to get them interested. And I think, um, you know, those were getting handed off a lot and kind of overwhelming a lot of the sales folks um, to where we were reaching out to those people and they didn't know what we were talking about. I think that still happens with business development reps and SDRs today. So, um, you know, that's one philosophy that's, that's changed over time. I think a lot of marketing departments have gotten better at that. Um, but uh, I've seen that quite a bit at, at a few companies I've been at. So it sounds like you would advocate for maybe a tougher scoring system when you're doing your lead scoring, where you really have to take several actions to score up, to be an MQL or to yep. even be, you know, contacted by an SDR, for example. So yes. less, less MQLs, but higher quality is, is kind right. of what I'm hearing. Okay. Yep. Interesting. Yes. I think a lot of revenue teams are doing that now and, and really mm -hmm. working more closely together, even with SDRs, um, business development reps under the same leadership, which I think is what you're doing, right? Because your title is head of marketing and business development, and it's kind of a hybrid role, right? So tell me a little bit more. Let's talk a little bit more about the trend toward revenue teams. We've been hearing that a lot, right? Like the, yes. the revenue <laughs> officer or the VP of revenue, right? And so of course this is buzzword bingo a little bit, but um, yep. <laughs> I think what you're talking about really, really speaks to that, right? Because we're, we're trying to kind of work together and, and move this train forward together, sales and marketing working more closely. Um, talk to me a little bit more about that trend, how you're doing it in your particular role, and what yep. are the results of, of aligning more closely with the sales teams? Yeah, for sure. There's, um, you know, I think that you drive the best results when you're when you're on the same page. You can get on the, the same side of the table and say, hey, what are what are the goals we're going after? You know, can we um, tackle 35% of your revenue or whatever their goals are, that sort of thing. So I think it just helps, you know, work more closely together. I've seen, you know, I think sales, um, SDRs, BDRs can fall under marketing or sales, um, but the closer the marketing teams can work with those folks, uh, the better. So we're constantly in contact with them after each campaign we run, um, you know, we launch a battle card for each campaign and, and follow up with them and say, okay, you know, what's your feedback? What, what were your conversations like? Where did they go? Um, you know, we're constantly looking at the ROI from pipeline and revenue and that sort of thing. Um, and then that just helps us, you know, develop better content or campaigns as we move forward or, you know, shift and say, hey, let's, let's pivot and go over here as things don't work and throw fire on the things that do work. So how do you actually do that, right? Because aligning these yep. two teams is probably pretty difficult. I see that operating in campaigns or sprints is maybe a good idea and, and analyzing mm -hmm. your activities after each one. Um, but tell me, how does that actually look there at Safety Culture? Like, how do you actually do that? 
Yes, for sure. So we have um, a few different methods of, of doing that. We, we try and keep up on all of our, you know, marketing calendars and things like that. So the BDRs can know what's coming down the pike, um, know when campaigns are launching. We have, you know, a monthly, weekly meeting with them, a couple stand-up meetings to jump into, you know, one of their meetings and say, hey, here's the next campaign that's launching get some feedback on how the first one went um, or the, the most recent one, that sort of thing. Um, and these can be just like quick 15 minute meetings where, you know, you stand in a room and kind of talk about things that are, that are going on. So I think the more you can do that, the better there's different ways that they can log things in Salesforce as well, that we can see um, as our CRM and things like that. So we can, you know, track some of the, the, the data and some of the other stuff that they're seeing. So I think that really helps. I think, you know, one of my mentors in the past told me he who has the data that wins he or she. So we try to look as much as that as we can, like I'm sure, you know, marketing and GTM's teams do. Yeah. And most people who are working in software or SaaS or tech or IT in any kind of way, we all love data so much. Yep. <laughs> um, one thing I wonder about is how do you prioritize campaigns or initiatives that the marketing team will focus on? Yeah, for sure. So we turn back into our numbers from a revenue and pipeline perspective. So when we're planning out, you know, our, our year or our calendar, that sort of thing, obviously we want to, um, you know, have a good marketing mix and a good mix of stuff that's, you know, going out at any given time with new logo or expansion campaigns. Uh, so we, we do that and then we back into, you know, what do we think we're going to get from a lead number from this? What are we going to get from a revenue number from this? That sort of thing. And then that'll help us forecast where we want to go and where we think that campaign can be successful or not. So um, those are the main things we do. And then we also always look at ROI after things are done. So how did, how did something go? Could it have gone better? Uh, that sort of thing. And we always kind of look for, you know, four to five X ROI on, on pipeline um, from what our initial investment was. And that's kind of our, our benchmark for some of those campaigns as well. Can we talk a little bit more in concrete terms about safety culture and your products? Because I know we mentioned iAuditor, which is kind of that flagship product. Um, when you're talking about revenue and, you know, 5Xing your ROI on marketing spend, I think it would help us to just get a little bit more concrete about what are you selling? How is it sold? Is it a monthly subscription? You know, those types of questions. So we can kind of picture, you know, what are we pouring money into? How are we getting money out? Yeah, so Safety Culture is a global technology company um, made famous by iAuditor. So that's our, our flagship product. It's the, the world's largest checklist app. But uh, we've actually evolved um, since we you know created that product to become more of a workplace operations platform. So now we're you know used by more than twenty eight thousand organizations from Cafe Pacific to IKEA, small large companies. Um, but really, what we do is we help organizations perform checks, train staff, report issues, automate different tasks and communicate better to um, continuously improve their operations. So that's our main goal is we support workplaces to improve each day. And, um, you know, most recently we've helped um, a number of businesses um, kind of through their operations lens and um, training and, and complete the whole continuous learning circle. And so it sounds like that might be a pretty long sales cycle. If I'm just guessing when you're saying names like Ikea um, and, you know, running their whole operations, it's kind of like, it seems like that would be a pretty hefty sales lift. Talk to us a little bit more about that sales process. Once you do get a really great qualified lead, maybe they're qualified further by, uh, you know, a, a business development rep of some kind, what happens after that? And how does the money actually flow? Is that, you know, a yearly subscription? Is it a monthly thing? Talk a little bit more about that part of it. 
Yeah, for sure. So I think that's the the most interesting part about safety culture is that we are a product-led growth company. Um, so a lot of our leads come from app downloads. You can actually download our application um, on your iPhone or Google device um, via the, the, the Google store or um, you know, app store. So once you do that, you know our hope is that you can use that for free. So it is free to download. Um, hopefully customers can do that, start experiencing some value, start you know thinking outside the box on different ways to use it, different ways that it can impact their business and then it'll grow from there. So people can upgrade to the, the paid version. Um, so there's always that kind of organic growth, which gives you a little bit more access to features like analytics and business trends and um, some of the training aspects and things like that. Uh, so there's always that organic growth in the background. Um, and then what we've done is, you know, a lot of people still like to talk to people and still like to, you know, work with a, a sales representative or customer success um, folks, especially when they're implementing a, a larger type of solution. Um, so we've, we've layered on different ways to hopefully have SDRs reach out to those folks that we can see what they're trying to accomplish in the app, um, their demographics and firmographics. So, you know, what industry they're in, what company they're with, how many people are in that organization, what's their title, that sort of thing. And then we can, you know, that, that goes into the scoring on, you know, maybe when we need to reach out to those folks. Um, so it's a great model to have because I think most people, we see anywhere from 15 to 20,000 app downloads a month, um, which is, is pretty crazy. So we, we actually have too many leads to call. You know, we can't call all of those people. So um, we'd like to, but um, hopefully the product is, you know, does well enough to, to get them interested, get them activated and using it and then experience some value and grow up from there. Right. And I, and I love that you labeled that product led growth um, or PLG. Let's talk about that a little bit at a higher level for those of our listeners who have not heard about that yet. What is product led growth, Nick? Yeah, for sure. So I think, you know, product-led growth is really a business methodology where user acquisition, expansion, conversion, retention are all driven primarily by the product itself. Um, So it really helps to create, you know, this company-wide alignment from teams, from engineering to sales and marketing um, around the product as, you know, the most sustainable, scalable way to grow the business. Um, So that's what we try to do. And we try to work closely with each team uh, here at Safety Culture to, you know, develop the right features and functionality, um, give the right feedback um, on what's, you know, what we're hearing in the field from our customers and, you know, what the engineering team can build and that sort of thing. And, and hopefully it really just helps the product drive the growth of the business. Um, and then you can layer on different aspects such as, you know, um, enterprise sales or, or partnerships and things like that um, to create separate funnels essentially, but, but really the product should drive the, drive the business forward. And so what is the difference between product-led growth, which you just described, and a freemium model? I think that those might be synonymous and maybe not. So let's ask that because some people will call it, you know, I'm running a freemium model. They get access to a certain level of our product. And it sounds like that could be pretty similar. What's the difference between those two things? Yeah, I I think they are pretty similar. Um, I think the freemium model is just a way to go about increasing that product-led growth. So that's that's kind of how we try to do it is, you know, offering much of our platform for free so customers can can use it, experience some value, start, um, you know, seeing what impact it can have on their business. And it's really this land and expand type of model. So we're typically starting pretty small with an organization. Um, we'll grow in from, you know, maybe a manager level, sometimes a director level, and it kind of grows up through the, through the business. Um, but we like to, you know, our, our CEO, when he started this company, 
wanted to wanted to, essentially it started more as a safety organization and he didn't want to put a restriction on it from a free or paid perspective. So I think the freemium model really allows itself to, to gain customers and gain people that are interested and, and see if they can hopefully get some value. Yeah. And whether or not that company ends up being on a paid model, they may be safer for using the free model anyway. So yes. that sounds like a really great mission. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, for sure. And oh. a lot of people stay on the stay on the free model. It might work for them, um, but hopefully, over time, from a business perspective, we can you know move them over to a, a paid model, or it gives us a wider marketing base to go after as well. Generating those those leads and, and contacts and customers is is a little bit easier with a, a flywheel model such as that. How do you actually take people from that free model into the paid product? Are you running, you know, email nurture campaigns? Are you doing kind of soft touches with them with webinar material to help them use the product better? Are you using product data tool tips? Like talk to us about that little black box uh, between the free and the paid. How do you actually get them to pay? We all want to know that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. There's a few different ways we try and do that. Um, you definitely mentioned a couple of them. So you know, there's ways in the application they can upgrade. There's ways in their account once they log in online on the web um, on the website of things that they can upgrade as well. So hopefully we're not asking for that you know too early. So there's different cues and things that are built in to say, hey, this might be a good time to do that. You know whether it's a number of inspections or checks or a number of people they've added to their team, that sort of thing. So um, there's a lot of growth marketing that goes into it, even just coloring different buttons, certain colors in the application and things like that as you go through it, and trying to to guide people a certain direction so they can get some value early on. Because uh, that's one of the biggest things is you know if they don't experience value within the first week or two, they're probably not going to come back to the application. They're going to, they're going to move on. So um, right. hopefully that's the case. And then after that, we definitely have some webinars and, you know, getting started guides and some boot camps and things like that, where you can join both in person and virtually. We'll go to a few events. We'll have a customer conference and then all the emails and nurtures and stuff like that. If we can, you know, identify who those folks are and the industry and what they're trying to do, we'll, we'll try and serve them up some, some really good content to hopefully help with that. Well, that all sounds very exciting and definitely valuable for the people who are using your free model. I'm wondering on a personal note, what are you most excited about for the rest of this year? Yeah, for sure. I think we're, we're looking to, um, you know, change up some of the stuff we do with regional marketing from an America's perspective. So our company is actually headquartered out of Sydney, Australia. Uh, so we work across the globe quite a bit, but we have a really good local lens that we can, we can put on things and the spin that we can put on things here in the Americas. So we're being a product-led growth company, we haven't done much with ABM yet. Um, so we're working towards some of that personalization and you know some target accounts and growing our business that way. So I think that's one of the most exciting things is launching some of that and hopefully you know building a separate um, kind of more, you know, I don't know if traditional is the right word, MQL funnel and going after some of the, the larger businesses that, that we want to see success in and that may or may not be using our product at this time. Very exciting. Well, Nick Topping of Safety Culture, thanks for joining the Marketing Hero Podcast. It was a great pleasure to talk with you today. Thanks so much. Appreciate you having me. You've been listening to the Marketing Hero Podcast by ClearPivot. Be sure to join us next time. For more information, visit www.clearpivot.com.